0: You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So for the last couple of weeks, we've looked at overcoming doubts and we've looked at overcoming failure. Today, it's about overcoming discouragement, hence the very original sermon title, I'll let Kara put that up there. So, I, you know, and, it, and it's that and I think that, hold on a minute, there is one thing about technology that can be great so many times, and at other times, well, anyhow. All right, so, here's where we are. I think disappointment is one disease that certainly merits attention. There are obviously some very dreaded diseases, cancer, MS, heart disease, coronavirus, and so on, but not everyone will contract one of those diseases. On the other hand, discouragement is a universal disease. Everyone gets discouraged, and it's not only universal, it's highly contagious. Just be around somebody who's discouraged, and you can't help but feel that way yourself the good news is, it's also curable. Taking an illustration from the sports world, even pro athletes, those who are the best in the world at what they do, get into a slump. Whether it's batters in baseball or shooters in basketball, some of the best in the business have their off days, and some of it can last for a little while. But what would any good coach tell them? Never give up in a slump, keep going, just ride it out. So what do you do when you feel like giving up? I mean, look, life has its ups and downs. Everyone has their off days. Maybe you'd say, okay, I've had my off weeks, my off month, my off year. Then this story from Nehemiah is for you. Let me begin with a little background first. What we would look at as the glory days of Israel, even to Jews living today, they look back at the glory days of Israel as during the reign of King David, who dates about 1000 BC. That's when all of Israel's enemies were put at bay, that there was wealth to go around, that the area that, that the nation of Israel occupied was at its largest borders, Well, things weren't so bad with David's successor, his son Solomon, either. But after Solomon, the kingdom and the nation went downhill rather quickly. After Solomon's death, the nation of Israel was divided into the north and the south, splintered groups. And within 400 years, both the northern and southern kingdoms were conquered by foreign armies and the people carted off into exile. After the southern kingdom had been in exile for 70 years, the people were allowed to return back to their homes. There are two Old Testament books which pick up the story from there. One of those is Ezra, and Ezra details the rebuilding of Solomon's temple that had been destroyed. And the other book is the book of Nehemiah which details the rebuilding of the wall around the city of Jerusalem. It's that story that we want to step into today. The story comes from Nehemiah chapter 4. Here's how it begins. When Sanballat... Now, this is the governor of Samaria. It's not going to take you long to find out that the Samaritans and the Israelites were at odds. So when Sanballat heard... That we, that's Nehemiah talking about he and the people of Israel. When we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, in other words, one of his cronies, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Nehemiah prayed, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity, do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Nehemiah continues. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah. The Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength is the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore I, Nehemiah, Stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. In this passage, we have several causes of discouragement. The people of Israel get started in their rebuilding efforts. They get going on this project, but they begin feeling discouraged. Why? Verse 10 gave us some of the answer. The strength of the laborers is giving out. The number one cause of discouragement is fatigue. You just are tired. They had worked a long time. According to verse 6, they had already rebuilt half the wall. They were physically exhausted, tired, weary, worn down. And you know when you're physically down, it's hard to get back up emotionally and spiritually. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do when you're feeling this way is to simply get some rest. It's amazing how much better things can appear after a good night's sleep. Maybe you don't need to change anything, you just need some rest. Farmers know this well. They rotate crops and leave the land fallow, uh, so they actually rest portions of the land. And every farmer knows that you can produce a better crop once you've done that. You and I, same thing. We need periodic rest. In 1898, yes, over 120 years ago, a scientific study was conducted in the workplace and found that people in the workplace were more productive with periodic breaks. That was the beginning of coffee breaks. When does fatigue begin to set in? When does discouragement begin to set in? According to that verse 6, fatigue and discouragement set in around the midpoint You know, everyone's got energy when you first start. It's a new project, a new problem, a new solution. But after a while, the newness wears off. You get bored and tired and discouragement begins to set in. And that's why so many of us are unable to finish anything. Fatigue. The second cause of discouragement is frustration. Here's how it comes out in our story. This is the second half of verse 10. The people complaining, there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Remember, 70 years earlier, the wall had been destroyed. So as the people were trying to rebuild the wall, there were broken pieces of brick, broken pieces of mortar. There was trash that was piling up, laying all around. It had to feel like it was all accumulating. And, of course, as you're building, there's more debris that's, that's coming off. They had to constantly walk over it, around it. They were tripping on it. It was piling up. Have you ever tried to live in a home that you're trying to remodel at the same time? Then that's how frustrating it would be. Or how about this? How many of you have the kind of job where your work is never finished? You know the frustration of that. You never quite get done. As soon as you finish one project, there's another one waiting. Your work is never done, and that's frustrating, and it can be a cause of discouragement. So let me ask, what's the rubble in your life? What are the distractions and the mess of your life that keep you from accomplishing your goals? Frustration. A third cause of discouragement is failure or at least the fear of failure verse 10 one more time there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall they're saying we never should have started this project to begin with it's ridiculous who are we to think that we could have completed this job they were unable to finish the wall so they got discouraged and they were ready to give up what we're talking about here is failure They weren't able to finish the task as quickly as they planned, and so they were ready to give up because they were losing heart. The enthusiasm, where was that? Well, it was down the drain, and they were getting discouraged. The question is, how do you react to failure? How do you respond when your plans tend to collapse When things aren't accomplished on time and you can't meet your original goal, do you then just go to self-pity? You blame yourself? You blame other people? Or do you start complaining, this is impossible? I don't know if you ever feel this way, but just about the time, so many times I feel like I'm about to make ends meet, somebody moves the ends. And then the fourth cause of discouragement is fear. We finally move to the next verse, verse 11. Also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Remember the background of the story. There were enemies who didn't want them to complete the wall and they were gonna do everything they could from having that wall rebuilt. First, they ridiculed the Israelites. Then they criticized them. Then they threatened them. We will kill you. Then to make matters worse, verse 12, then the Jews who lived near them, in other words, near those enemies, came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. If you're constantly surrounded by negative people with negative thoughts, you're going to be infected. So what Fears are causing you to be discouraged this morning. Fear of embarrassment. Fear of failure. Fear that you have to be perfect. Fear that you can't handle the pressure. And how do you know when fear is the cause of your discouragement? Because you have this intense desire to run. So if you're discouraged, it's probably one of these four. Fear, frustration, failure, fatigue. So you do a check-in. What's causing the problem? Once you identify the problem, you need an antidote. Thank God the antidote is right here in this passage as well. The first thing you might need to do is reorganize your life. Listen again to verse 13. This is Nehemiah speaking. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places... Posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. He said, let's all get together in our family groups and support one another. Nehemiah didn't give up on the goal. He reorganized. When you're discouraged, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing the wrong thing. It might mean that you're going about it the wrong way. The tendency when we get discouraged is to give up on our dream and say, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. No, it may be the right thing. You're just going about it the wrong way. God doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to reorganize. Look at it from a different approach. If you're going into debt, reorganize your budget. If you're overcommitted, reorganize your time schedule. So if you're discouraged, it may be because of tremendous pressures and your workload is unbelievable. Make sure you still make time for those really important things. God and family and church Keep those things in gear and focus on that. The Bible says Nehemiah grouped them by families. It means we need each other. That's why we need the church. Over and over, scripture uses the phrase one another. Serve one another. Love one another. Care for one another. Help one another. Pray for one another. Greet one another. Encourage one another. 100 times in the New Testament is the phrase used, one another. We need each other. So if you're trying to be a Lone Ranger, you will get discouraged. That's why we need to be a part of something in a church besides Sunday worship. When we are able to again, join a Sunday school class. Be part of a small group Bible study. We still have one that meets on Wednesday mornings in the fellowship hall where we can space out. And I know the youth groups are are still meeting uh, on Wednesday evening. So that way you have other people supporting you. Nehemiah stationed them by families. A study conducted on survivors, not the TV show, but actual survivors of things like major accidents or being adrift at sea, those kinds of things, the number one characteristic of those survivors were them saying things like, I wanted to stay alive to see my kids grow up. I wanted to make it through to be with my wife again. I knew that there were people counting on me. In other words, there was a support group that gave them motivation to hang in there and not give up So one antidote to discouragement is to reorganize your life. A second antidote to discouragement also found in this passage is to remember the Lord. Verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. What Nehemiah is saying is recommit yourselves spiritually. What we would say today is recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Draw on his resources. Get plugged in. Typically, when we get discouraged, what happens is we take our eyes off the Lord and onto the problem. We take our eyes off of the solution and onto our circumstances. That was Peter's problem. Remember his story from the Gospels? The disciples are out in a boat, and Jesus comes walking to them on the water. As Jesus draws near to the boat, Peter asks to be invited out. Jesus has come, and Peter steps out of the boat. And he's actually walking on water until... Until he notices the wind and the waves and he begins to sink. Why? Because he took his eyes off the Lord and all that was surrounding him is what he put them on. He put them on his circumstances. So what do you do when you're discouraged? What do you remember when you're discouraged? Now, that may sound like a strange question, but there are three things we need to remember. First, remember God's goodness to you in the past. Start th- making a list, start thinking about all the things that have been positive that God has pulled you through, God has done for you. Remember God's goodness, that famous saying, count your blessings, literally just do that. Second, remember God's closeness to you in the present, that he's right here with you. Jesus said, surely I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you, which means that you are never without Christ. Open your eyes and see God's closeness to you in the present for there's no experience in life that you'll ever go through that God isn't already going through with you. And it helps you realize, you know what, I'm not in this alone. Open your eyes. He is right there. And third, remember God's power in the future. Over and over, Scripture attests to this promise of God that is worded. I'll give you one example from Deuteronomy. As your days are, so shall your strength be. What the Lord is saying is, I will give you the power, I will help you. Over and over, all these promises of strength in the Bible, God promises in Isaiah 41.10, I will strengthen you and help you. I will see you through this. So one antidote to discouragement is to reorganize your life. A second is to remember the Lord. And the third and last antidote to discouragement, as mentioned in this passage, is to resist it. Resist the discouragement. Nehemiah said, remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Don't give in to discouragement without a fight. Resist it. Resist the discouragement. I heard a story about Satan calling a council of his demons together. And say, look, we've got to figure out a way to neutralize Christians. Now that they're being saved, we've got to neutralize them because they're going to bring others to become believers. One demon said, well, why don't we just tell them the Bible's all a lie? Satan said, no, that's not going to work. They're smarter than that. Another one said, well, why don't we just tell them that, that prayer doesn't work? Satan responded, no, they have found prayers being answered. A third one finally chimed in and said, I got it. Let's just discourage them. Satan said, that'll work. As Christians, we are in a spiritual battle. The Bible says that it is a supernatural struggle. For Satan is the accuser of Christians. He's always saying, You're not good enough. You're blowing it. Who do you think you are to call yourself a Christian? You're miserable. You're nothing. Give up. Forget it. He would love to neutralize your effectiveness. You may not believe this, but you don't have to be discouraged, it's a choice. If you're discouraged, it's because you're choosing to be discouraged. If you're discouraged, ask yourself this question. What are you looking at? The problem or the solution? Where are your eyes focused? On yourself or on the solution that the Lord Jesus can bring? What Nehemiah is telling his fellow Israelites is this. Be among those who simply won't quit, who don't give up, who keep on keeping on, who never give up, even when fatigued and frustrated and feeling like a failure and you don't know which way to turn. So what is it that's causing you to be discouraged? Fatigue? Some of you just need to get some rest. Frustration? Some of you are discouraged because you're frustrated. You're in one of those jobs where you think, man, my work never ends. Or if you're the mother of children, especially young children, you know that sentiment all too well. The work never ends. It's an endless cycle. It's one thing after another. What causes you to be discouraged? Is it failure? Do you react Negatively, when your plans aren't accomplished in your timetable, do you want to throw in the towel and give up? It's like the people said, we can't rebuild the wall. Or is it fear? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of what other people think? Are you afraid of failing? Are you afraid of success? You might think, well, if I'm successful, I've got to maintain that. All of these things can get you down And some of you may be just barely hanging on this morning. So what do you do? In your heart right now, remember the Lord. Would you in your heart say, Lord, help me to focus on all the things that you've done for me in the past, the good things that have happened. Help me have an attitude of gratitude. Remember his closeness in the present. Say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart right now. Make yourself real to me. I need to be reminded that you are right here with me. Or if you've never invited him into your life, do that right now. It's the starting point, the beginning of the Christian life. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to open my heart to you. I want to follow you. Remember and claim his power for the future. God, you promised that I can do all things Through Christ who strengthens me. That even means taking a day at a time, ask for his power in your life. Some of you need to reorganize your life. You need to cut out some of those things in your schedule. You say, Look, I can't get involved in church. I don't even have time for my family. Why? You're too busy. There are some things more important than income. Look at your priorities, look at your values. Some of you need to get rest. Lord, you made my body, now help me take care of it, help me eat right, sleep right, get the exercise I need, keep a balance in my life. And God said, one day a week you take off. One day a week you rest. If you're not doing that, you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. I'm not saying all this because God wants to condemn you, but because he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to waste the precious life that he's given you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that it is encouraging to us that when we feel like everything is falling apart, that the pieces can fall into your hands and you can come put them back together. Lord, I thank you that in situations that we don't know how to control, you can control them. The things that are frustrating us, they're not frustrating to you. So help us to see those situations in our lives from your viewpoint, your perspective. Help us put our lives in your hands. And Lord, there are people here today, listening today, that need to open their heart to you for the very first time. I pray that they would do that. That in their heart, they would invite Jesus to come in and I thank you that, the, that, that you are there for others this morning who are turning their burdens over to you casting all their cares on you because you care for us Lord I thank you for your word help us to live for you this week in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray saying our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.